Well, first of all, we want to welcome our online campus. Those of you that are watching online, we're so glad that you tuned in. Uh, man, what a wonderful, wonderful group of people we have in person this morning. Uh, just give a big applause to the person next to you. Just give a big applause to Jesus for bringing someone to church. Uh, we're talking about generosity, and uh, with that being said, we, have, uh, we, we were able to collect over 400 Operation Christmas child boxes that we're sending out all over the world. That's a big, a big, big go God. <clears throat> yeah, when I, when I think about, you know, those boxes, there's about $50 that goes into each box. You know, multiply that times uh, 400, over 400. There's $20,000 that went to go help other people's families. So big applause to everyone that gave. Um, yeah. I think that's huge. Uh, also, for the shipping, we're, we're having a bake sale, uh, and you don't want to miss that. So after the service, uh, it's going to cost about 3000 in, in shipping, but we have monies already that are there. But uh, Holly Dykes has put together her great banana bread and all cookies and all kinds of goodies. So you don't want to miss it after the service. Go to the cafe and, uh, and go buy as much as you would love and share it with others. Um, so we've been talking for two, two years that God gave us a vision, we believe, to reach 1,000 people who are far from God. And how many of you think that's a noble cause for us to reach people for Jesus? I think that's wonderful that we, that we even set out to do that. Um, a part of it is what we saw this morning. We baptized those four individuals, and we have more that we're baptizing second service and then more after second service. So God is continually bringing people in to his family. And uh, though we don't deserve it because every one of us, we're all sinners that fall short of the glory of God, but by the grace of Jesus, by his love, uh, he went to the cross at Calvary and he died and paid the penalty for our sins so that we could come through him by faith into this relationship with our heavenly father that was lost, that relationship that was lost at the very beginning when Adam and Eve sinned. And it doesn't matter if it would have been James and Shauna in the garden, we would have sinned because we all fall short of the glory of God. Amen. So it's not like Adam and Eve are bad people. It's just that all of us do not make that mark that is perfection. The only one that has done that and that will do that is Jesus. He's the perfect one. And when I think about that, I think about how much people are worth to God. What is the dollar amount for a human soul? How much is your soul worth to God? Everything. The father gave his son, God the son, God became a man and came to this earth to purchase us back to him. That is amazing when, when you think about how, how grand the love of God is for, for people. Uh, he, he didn't hold anything back. That's God's love. He doesn't hold anything back. And, and when I think about the enormity of God's love, it really stirs my heart. You know, Christmas time, we, we give gifts, right? We, and, and I love giving gifts, and I even love receiving them more. Just, I'm just saying. <clears throat> and so, so we, we give gifts, and, and I think that's an innate, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're born, we're created in the image of God. So, so that image of God works through us. We want to be giving, Amen. 
I mean, there may be some Grinches in here and we're working on you and there may be some Scrooges in the next service uh, and we're working on them. But the reality that most people, you want to be generous. You want to give your kids something good for Christmas. You want to give the, the ones that you love something good for Christmas. But, but here's the deal. The greatest gift that we could give to anybody, the greatest gift that you could receive is to receive Jesus as your Savior. Because that's an eternal gift. That's a gift that keeps on giving. It continually gives to us. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. How many of you need peace in your life? He is your peace. Jesus is, you know, the, the great I am. In other words, he's the one that met Moses at the burning bush. He met me. I have a lot, I have a lot in common with Moses. Moses used to stutter. I have a speech impediment. You know what I mean? And, and so God met us at one place, and he said, I'm going I'm to have you speak. And Moses said, I can't even talk. Okay, I'll send Aaron until you start getting confidence. And he, you know, called Pastor, Pastor James. I'm stuttering already. And I said, I can't even speak, Lord. He said, don't worry about it. I'll work it all out. And, and God just, he, he does those things because he's a great I am. And so that's the greatest gift that any one of us could receive. And when, when we invest, I, I think about investment. So for me, it's not difficult to give back. Because God gave it all for me. And so when I think about giving back, I, I, I think about, you know, our monetary blessings are his. We come into this world with nothing and we leave this world with what? With nothing. And so, so when you think about that reality, that's not just a hypothesis. That's a reality. All of us, every, every breath that we breathe is a gift from God. Amen? And, and some of you have, have had some near misses. Anyone had a near miss this year? You just, you know, you just barely made it over that, that hurdle and, and, and you're still alive and, and you're thanking God because he gave you that gift to still be here. Why, why is that? Because he's not done with you. <clears throat> There's still more for you to live out. Another chance has been given to you for you to live out your, your God-given potential for, for his glory. So when I think about R1K, when I think about the vision that God gave to us, it means everything to me. In fact, I will die trying to reach 1,000 people for Jesus. I will try with everything that I have so that none of my neighbors, none of my family, none of my friends will end up going into eternity away from God and living separate from God for eternity. I don't want anyone to do that. I want for everyone to come to know Jesus Christ. So as I, as I think about R1K, this is, this is R1K. Every number, so R1K, reach 1,000. Every number has a name. Every name of those 1,000 has a story. And every story matters to Jesus Christ. It, those four individuals, four, did you count them? There were four. Everyone had a name. Everyone had a story. And every story mattered to God. For, for Samantha to go into the water... She, she, she went over, for, for some it's a hurdle, for her it was a Grand Canyon. 
because she had apprehension of, of, of being dunked in the water. Yeah. And she came up, and Sam, I was thinking about this as we were worshiping. I was thinking, you know, you came up and you coughed, and, and you got through all that. That was difficult. But th- your story's not done. Your story, it, it's, it's just beginning because God has come into your story. He's going to rewrite where you were going in the future. And every person that's in here, it's not a mistake that you're here. Every, every number, let's start with that. Every number has a name. Every name is significant. God cares so much about numbers. I, I, you, hear, you hear this a lot of times in, in churches. Well, well you know, we're, we're not interested in numbers. Can I tell you that God is? God is interested in numbers. In fact, uh, he wrote a book about it. Look in the Bible. There, there's a book in the Bible, and the title of it is Numbers. And you read the first three verses, and he says, I want you to count all the men that can be warriors. I want you to count them, and, and I want you to give them an assignment that they're going to go out against the enemies of God, and they're going to do battle. God wants you to be counted. He wants you to know that, that every person matters, right? I see in the gospel, I see in the gospel presentation, Jesus picked out, he picked out not a random amount of people, but he picked out 12. And he numbered them, right? It says in, in, in Mark, if you have your Bible, you can go there, Mark 3, 13, it'll be in your notes. Mark 3, 13, it says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed, what does it say? Twelve, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These twelve were going to have a special assignment given by God, and they were going to have special authority given by God, and they were going to have special supernatural power given by God. And every person that is numbered in the family of God has God with them. It goes on uh, in verse 16. These are the 12 that he appointed. Simon, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. He even changed Simon's name from Simon, which means disloyal and uncertain, to Peter, which means rock. He said, I'm numbering you guys, but I'm not not only numbering you, I'm also naming you. I know you by name. And then he said, James, son of Zebedee, his brother John, to them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. And then Andrew and Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who would betray him. And each one of these individuals, not only did they have a number, but they had a name. And that name was significant. If you look at it, when you, when you see Simon, who was changed to Peter, that name was very significant to God. He said, I'm going to change you from being very unstable to going off on your own, trying to do things in your own ability, to, to leaning on me. 
and being grounded in me and being able to be a rock, Peter. And James and John, you guys are sons of thunder. I'm going I'm to tame you. And John, you're going to write all the gospels about love and all the books and the epistles that are going to be transforming for people in future years. And Judas, I love you so much, I'm going to wash your feet even though you're going to betray me. Even though you're going to let the devil come into your heart and, 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 and lead you astray. But yet God loved him to the very end. Because see, God gives us a choice. He doesn't force you to follow him. He comes and he invites you. Notice that we talked about, are you confessing Jesus as Lord? There's not a demand there. There's a, there's a choice that we make to confess Jesus as our Lord. To believe in our hearts that, that God raised him from the dead. To, to walk in this newness of life that only God could provide. And every person matters to God. Every one of us is numbered. See, God knows the number of the hairs on our head. How is he not going to know the number of those that are his? We, we fast forward. Peter had uh, denied Jesus and then Jesus came back to him, restored him and the Holy Spirit later came and, and uh, filled the disciples and they became mighty, mighty spokespeople for the kingdom. And Peter preached his first sermon and he had such boldness. And, and, and it says this about Peter in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 41. It says, Peter's words pierced their hearts. And he's talking about the people that were in the audience and so if your hearts are being pierced, just know this. If, the, if your hearts are being stirred, just know it's not me, it's the Lord. So, so Peter spoke different than he ever had spoken before. And his words, they pierced the hearts. And, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? What should we do? What, what's our next step? We're hearing about this Jesus of Nazareth. And my heart, I've never felt my heart stirred the way it's stirred right now. I, I've never felt my emotions being turned like they are right now, but something is happening. What, what do we need to do? And, and Peter replied, he said, each of you, you must repent of your sins. And, and all that means is that you have a change of mind. You, you, you used to live in sin, but you, you're tired of that life and you're turning away and you're coming to God. That's what repent means. Metanoia just means that, that I'm, I'm turning my direction. I've walked away from God. And you, you need to know this about the, the person speaking here, the pastor that's here. I walked away from God for many years. But by his mercy and by his grace, he called me back. And all he said was just turn, turn, turn around. Your, your marriage is a mess. Turn around, come to me. Your, your, your finances are a mess. Turn around, come to me. Your mind is so unstable. Turn around. Walk away from what you're living in right now and come back to me. That's exactly what he said. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. You need to know this, that when you come to Jesus, your sins are forgiven. That the things that, that, that are against you, the things that have destroyed you, those things can be washed away through the blood of Jesus Christ. If there's anything that should bring you to God, it's that you can start new. 
You can have a fresh start. You don't have to live in the old decisions that you made at one time. You can walk in the, in the forgiveness and the, just the, the beautification and the righteousness of God. He said, your sins will be forgiven. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And those who believed what Peter said were baptized, adding to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Numbered. Do numbers matter? When we say R1K, we want to reach 1,000 people, do you think God could be in it? You know, I think about this. The Holy Spirit had Luke write the number down because numbers are significant to God. Every number matters. Following this, a couple months later, uh, Peter and John are going into this beautiful gate where the temple is, and they, they, they pray over this man that was born lame. And he was healed. And through many, many occurrences, the people come, and they, they begin to want to hear more about Jesus because where Jesus is, great things happen. Great things happen. And the Bible tells us this in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 4. Many of the people who heard their message believed it. So the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000 people. And every one of those 5,000 men, God knew their name. And, and I want you to think about the numbers that are attached to you. The government knows me. As 525, 77, 7777. For those of you that want my identity, I'm not giving it to you. But they know me by a number. To the government, I am that number. When I worked at Magma, I worked underground, they knew me as 10762. That was my number, 10762, 10, I was the 10,762nd person they ever hired at Magma Copper. When they shut the mine down and they gave me my severance pay and they gave me my retirement, they attached that number to my name, James Reese. There were many James Reese's. You, you can go on, you know, Facebook, you can go online. There's a lot of James Reese's. But there's only one James Reese that God knows when he talked, when it pertains to me. When I went to college and, uh, and, and got my, my degree in, in Bible college, um, I was uh, known, you know, Jeru uh, 6419. That was, that was my, my, my number. But God... God knows my name. I, I think about my phone number, right? 520-777-7777. Some of you have my number. And mo most people that have my number probably have it in your address book with my name. Some of you have PJ. Some of you guys might have Pastor James. But here's what I know for sure. God knows me. And he knows my name. He knows the number that I am when I came to faith. 
He knows the number that I am when I got baptized. He knows that I am the, you know, the millions or 200 millions, whatever number I am that got baptized. He knows that James Reese. And he cares about me. Amen? And you need to know this, that he knows your number. And he knows your name. But with every name is attached a story. Not only do we have a name, there's a story attached to it. I could go countless places with this in the Bible. You, you, you read about people in the Bible. You read about the, the Adam. Adam has a story. You guys listen to Adam's story, and, and you guys you know, hear that Adam uh, 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 let uh, Eve ate, eat the forbidden fruit, and then he ate it as well. And, and, then, and then the Lord asked him, well, Adam, why'd you do this? And of course, Adam does what most of us do. He blamed his wife. He said, it's that woman. Here's the story. Here, it's that woman. It's that woman. And I know you guys have never said that. You guys at second service, they really struggle with this. But it's that woman that you gave me. So you're part of the problem, Lord. And, and that's his story. His story is, I'm sticking to it. He said, uh, it's that woman that, that you gave me. And that, that's part of his story. You know, and, then, and then God gave him you know, another son, Seth. And, and Seth brought children. And, and then Enoch comes. And Enoch walked with God. And God took him. And there's a story there. That there's Noah. Noah has a story. You know, Noah, this righteous man. And he went and he did the things for God. He built this boat in the desert. There's no water. And, and, and water comes. And, and the boat, you know, he saves their life. And he's this righteous man. The first thing he does when, when dry land appears, he says, I'm, I'm, planting a, I'm planting a grapevine because I'm a righteous man and I need a drink. <laughs> and don't, don't laugh. We'd probably do the same thing. So he goes and he goes and he makes some wine and he gets wasted. And the rest, you have to read the Bible. Come next week. We'll talk about that again. So Noah has a story. You know, Abraham has a story, right? That's just a great story. The name, and then Abraham, his name was Abram. God changed his name to Abraham. You know, he married his, the love of his life, Sarah, uh, Sarai, and then she became Sarah, and they had this wonderful marriage, and she can't have kids. So Sarah says, you go, you, they, God promised you we were going to have kids. Go and sleep with my, my, maid, uh, my maid servant. Go ahead and take her, and, and you guys have kids. They did that, and I, I just picture Adam, you know, I'm not Adam, Abraham. I picture Abraham. He says, okay, I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to like it, but I'm going to do it. And so he, he, goes, he goes and he follows orders from headquarters. And there's a big mess after that. And we still have that mess. So there's a story there. Abraham has Isaac and Isaac has Jacob. Everyone has a story. Moses has a story. Elijah has a story. Daniel. I mean, there is significance in every one of these names because there's a story attached to the name. But there's one name that I want to bring to us, and that's this guy by the name of Saul. And the reason that Saul means so much to me is because he wrote the majority of the New Testament. But Saul, his name was changed to Paul. And Paul did more for the kingdom before he came to Christ and after he came to Christ than anybody else has ever done, in my estimation. Before he came to Christ, he chased Christians around and tried to imprison them and even kill them. 
And then when he came to Christ, he took the gospel further than anybody else had ever taken it. And it says this in Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 3. It says, Saul was one of the witnesses. In other words, he was there when the first person was killed for having faith in Jesus. His name was Stephen. Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. And a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Do you see how Paul played such a big part in the, in the spreading of the gospel even before he came to Christ? They, they hadn't moved. They hadn't gone anywhere. But they, he, he brought persecution and he scattered everybody throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And some devout men came and they buried Stephen and with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. And Paul, Saul at that time, his story was being written as he lived his life just like all of us have a story. And before Christ, I can tell you my story. I lived independently of God, doing the things that I thought were right, but they were so wrong because they took me away from the purposes of God. But God in his mercy, he met Paul on the road to Damascus. God in his mercy. It wasn't Paul's intellect. It wasn't Paul's theological position. It wasn't the way that Paul voted. It had to do with the love of God. And he entered into his story and he changed his story forever. And he wants to change your story. He cares about your story. He cares about where you've been. He cares about the things that have tried to destroy your life. I, I thought about this as I was putting this message together. You know, my story, my grandparents, Aurora and Pete Reese, Rory, my grandma Rory. I'll never forget my grandma. She was driving. She, my grandpa had died. I never met my grandpa Pete. He was, I, they say I look just like him. So he must have been a decent-looking individual. I don't know. Just saying. <laughs> God's still working on my humility. Uh, but he, he, you know, my, I'll never forget, you know, Grandpa Pete died. And so my grandma, she had a, she, she had a, a, a problem. She, she, maybe not a problem for her, but she liked to drink a lot. And I'll never forget one day my dad got called late at night and we, we lived in Chinatown. That was a neighborhood in Lordsburg, New Mexico, where we were raised. And, and the whole lights in the park in Chinatown went out. And so my dad got a call right away was about my grandma. So my grandma had drank a little bit too much, and she hit one of the light posts by the park going home and knocked out all the lights in, in Chinatown. Can you believe that? And so that's part of my narrative. Part of my narrative is, is, is her and, 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 and just, or, uh, just navigating through a lot of things. And so my life was, was filled with a bunch of you know, wrong choices that I thought were right, until Jesus entered into my life. And he entered into my life. I'll never forget this. One of the ways that he entered was I, I, I had gone to a store. I was, I was probably 17 years old. And, and my cousin from Vegas had come down. And, and she came to visit. And, and we had, a, we had some, some, a lot of alcohol in the back. And she went in to get cigarettes. And she came. And someone came and knocked on the door of my window. And they knocked on the car. And I was driving. And she, they knocked on the door of my window. And they said, do you, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I looked at him. And I said, I think so. And he said, well, God has an amazing plan for your life. 
And he started talking about the, the love of God and how much God loved me. And I was just feeling this something inside of me that I had never felt before. And he said this to me, and my cousin comes to the door, and she hears him talking to me. She says, hey, don't be telling them that. And she says, we are from this denomination. I'm not going to say what, what she said, but she said, we're this. And, and we go, and I say, yeah, oh, we are. We're from this, and I'm, I'm, I'm this person. And, and so she says, it's not about where you go to church. It's about having a relationship with Jesus. And he left. And we drove off, and I drank the night away, and I partied the night away, right? But my life progressively got worse until the night at a party that I said, God, if you're real, show me, and I'll follow you. And I looked up into the heavens, and when I looked up into the heavens, it's funny that when you start looking for God, you never look down. You, you always look up into the heavens, and you say, God, if you're real, because according to what I see, there's something about these heavens that declare the glory of God. And I'll never forget that I said, if you're real, I will follow you for the rest of my life. Little did I know that I'd be speaking to people every week. And, and so God began to show up in my life because that's what God does. And he began to rewrite the narrative of my life and the things that the devil wanted to use to destroy me. God turned it around for his glory. And God wants to turn it around. Amen. God wants to turn your narrative around for his glory. He wants to change your life. So, so here's, here's what, what happened with, with, uh, with Paul is that he was doing all these things and, and, and he was influenced by, by, by something, by religion that wasn't taking him in the purposes that God had for him. But here's the third thing that we need to realize about reaching 1,000 people is that not only is every number has a name and every name has a story, but every story matters to God. Every story matters to Jesus Christ. Remember, I, I shared a, just a facet of my story, just a snippet. There's so much more. The anxieties that I faced, putting on a facade that everything was okay. I, I don't know about you men, but the men that I know, we do that. We, we put on this mask, like if we, we, we have this. But the reality is that I didn't have this. This had me. And there was total turmoil in my life. There was no peace. There was no direction. There was no guidance. And the people that I leaned on, they really didn't care about me because when I came to God, they all left me for a good reason. So that when I found God, when I found Jesus, he would bring them back and they'd come to Jesus Christ. Because I'll tell you, when you walk with Jesus, he's your anchor. It doesn't matter what storms we face, you'll get through them with God. It's not that God takes, you, takes the storms away from your life. It's that God gives you the substance to make it through the storms. And that's what, that's what we need to know. Your story matters to God. So here, here's what happens, okay? So, so Saul is chasing all the Christians. He wants to put them in prison. He's got the authority to do so. And God speaks to this guy in, a, in, in prayer, and his name is Ananias. And as he's talking to God, God says to Ananias, I want you to go. We're going to read it right now. I want you to go, and I want you to meet this guy. He's praying to me right now. Ain't that crazy? Ain't that crazy? Think about it. He's talking to someone. He says, right now, this guy's praying. I want you to go over there. 
And let's, let's read what, what, what happens. In chapter, uh, chapter 9, verse 10, it says, Now there was a believer in Damascus. His name was Ananias. Do you think God knew his number? He must have. He called him. Right? So, so he, he, he met this. Uh, he, he, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord. He replied. The Lord said, Go over to street, uh, Straight Street to the house of Judas and when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I love that. I can just picture this story being played out. Here's Ananias, and, he, and Jesus is talking to him. And, and while, this is just mind-blowing. While Saul is praying, Jesus hears the prayers, and he's talking to Ananias. So this tell you that, tells you that God is multi, multitasking. You think to yourself, how can God hear all these prayers the Bible shows us, okay, while, while you're praying, God is saying, okay, this is going on over here in, in Jerusalem. This is going on in Iran. This is going on. God is God. Oh, it's exciting. <laughs> so he says, uh, he says, go over to that place. And, and when you get there, ask for a man named Tarsus and said all that. Verse 12, I have shown him in a vision a man named Ananias. That's you, Ananias, coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again because the Lord had struck uh, 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 Saul to be blind when he, when he was on the road to Damascus. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. How am I going to go to this man? He's going to kill me. That's a story. And how many of us can fit into both categories? How many of us have been the person that other people say he will never come to God? I told you about my, uh, my, my wife's grandmother, Granny Cooper. I had done so many things that were so bad in our marriage. Then I meet Jesus and I start taking Bible courses and they go to Granny Cooper and they tell her, uh, Granny, uh, so how, how, how's Shauna doing? She asks, how's Shauna doing? Well, she's doing well, and, and, and Jamie's doing well, too. He's going to Bible college. Can he do that? <laughs> After all the things that he's done? That's exactly what Ananias said. Lord, you're sending me to this man who's doing terrible things to the believers. And so Ananias said, I, I'm just going to follow. You know, it, it goes on. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go. He said, go for Saul is my chosen instrument. I am going to change the story. He's going to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings as well as the people of Israel. And I will show him how much that he must, he must suffer for my name's sake. And let me tell you, if you follow God, you need to know this. It's the best, best journey you'll ever have. But it is difficult at times, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Because God is with you. And Jesus changed the narrative of Saul's story and it brought glory to God and he reached many people and his story, his story, just like your story, it mattered to God. 
And your story, just like his story, is the reason that Jesus went to the cross. He went to the cross for you to change your narrative, to give you peace that surpasses all understanding, to give you joy that only comes from God, to give you the wisdom to navigate through the difficulties of life, to heal you from the hurts that this world brings, to be able to overcome your enemy, and your enemy is nobody living next door. Your enemy is the devil himself. And he wants to destroy your life just like he wanted to destroy my life, but God is bigger than the boogeyman. God can do what no man can do. So Ananias, he went and he found Saul and he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and he got up and he could see And he got baptized, and the rest is history. Samantha and Gabby and the rest of this beautiful four people, your life has changed today for the glory of Jesus. And the narrative has changed. But there's someone in this house, there's someone here today that God wants to change your story. But he won't force you. He invites you. And as I'm talking right now, I just want to invite you as well. If you're here today and you want your story to be rewritten, the rest of your story to be rewritten, not by your circumstances, not by your past, but by God himself, I want you to raise your hand and say, I want that for my life. I'm going to pray. Amen. I see your hands. Just pray that. We're going to pray a prayer. Because today you're saying, Jesus, I need you. And this is not a religious thing that you're doing. This is a relational, relationship thing that you're doing. Relational. You see, I don't serve God to be religious. I have a relationship with my Father in heaven. I talk to him every day, and he talks back to me through his word. He talks to me. He answers my prayers. Here's an answer to prayer right here. Second service, we'll be baptized. And I told... I, Thank you, Javi, for getting this. On this rock in 220, we, we started, we said, I want you guys to come up. We were in a very difficult time, and people wrote their prayers on the, these rocks. We have them in our fountain out there. Because this church is built on the prayers of the saints and prayers of people. This young lady came up and she put a prayer there for her family. Her her husband was not a follower of Jesus. He was far from God. And he came in about several months later and he's been coming for about seven months if not longer and he has, when he first came in he would sit right there in the front and he would never look at me when I was preaching and talking he would look down and little by little he'd always go to the cafe and get his coffee and he'd come to the front and he'd sit there and just look down and little by little he started to peek sometimes we sneak a peek right and he was sneaking a peek and he snuck that peek and he started to connect and today Those prayers are answered because we're baptizing him today. From a family, from a family 
that never, never walked with God, he's the first that will change the lineage of that family forever. What is a soul worth to God? What's the dollar amount? There is no dollar amount. That's why we do what we do. Because let me tell you something. This life is fleeting. It's going to soon be gone. And eternity awaits us. And so as I close that, as I close with that, for you that are watching online, for you that are here, if you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, what are you waiting for? He is your Savior. He is your Lord. I'm going to do something radical. I'm going to go down right there. And I'm going to invite everyone that wants to say, Jesus, I need you today. And I want to follow you for the rest of my life to meet me right there. It's an invitation as you go into the last song. And we'll close with that. So if you're here today and you're tired of trying to do life on your own, Today's the day that Jesus wants to invite you right here. I'm not Jesus, but he's with me. And he's inviting anyone that wants to come. Come and find your Savior. And by standing up and walking this way, you'll find him. Like I did at a party. But you're going to find him at a church. So everyone stand and whoever wants to come forward will invite you to come forward.